On this episode of Lead That Thing, I talk to crisis communication expert, Jeff Chatterton. Welcome back, everyone. Today, my guest is Jeff Chatterton. Jeff Chatterton started in risk and crisis communications as a journalist, winning several awards for his coverage of a number of crisis-oriented events. Whether it's the Ebola outbreak in Africa, privacy breach in Canada, a volcanic eruption in Ecuador, or a hot air balloon accident in Las Vegas, he has been there and done that, servicing clients on six continents. Jeff and his longtime competitor, Conway Frazier, co-authored the book Leaders Under Fire to peel back the curtain on many of the myths in crisis communications. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks, Aruna. It's great to be here. Thank you. So tell us what topic are we going to talk about and learn more about? Uh, Every CEO, every CFO has been told, has been preached on about the importance of the crisis communication plan. And what, uh, what Conway and I wanted to do is actually peel back the curtain and point out that for most organizations, the crisis communications plan is a complete load of wasted money. Uh, it, it, it's not effective. It's not efficient. It doesn't actually do what it is that you want to do, which is get rid of the crisis the fastest and most efficient and quickest way possible. There are better ways to do that. And that's what we decided to write the book about and and tell the story about different leaders and different CEOs and different business executives when they're under fire, leaders under fire. So we've had a lot of fun with it. So that's really interesting. So getting into crisis communications and sort of going against the existing norm, right? So how did you recognize that what is being done today is not sufficient and something had to be done differently. Tell me a little bit more about that story. So so I've been doing almost exclusively crisis communications work for the better part, as, as humbling as this is to admit, for the better part of the last two decades. I've been going back uh, exclusively on, on just doing crisis PR for the last 20 years. Conway's got a similar level of experience. And we were looking uh, and, and for years, for years, I admit it, for years, I was telling people and, and a lot of my marketing was all about, hey, build the crisis communications plan, build the crisis communications plan. Um, there are a lot of government organizations that mandate, uh, insurance companies mandate the crisis communications plan. And and we sat down and we looked at our, at our, at our really good success stories and our really, you know, not so good stories over the last two decades of experience. And we realized whether or not an organization had a written plan, a crisis communications template was, was actually completely inconsequential to their overall success. And if that's the case, how many CEOs, quite frankly, are being lied to? Because frankly, let's, I'll be really honest with you, a crisis communications template, a crisis plan is a really great great way for someone like me to charge a CEO $40,000, dollars $75,000 to put together a plan, chances are good. You're never going to use it. And so what's the better way? And that's, that's mm-hmm. what we, we sat down and realized it was, it was like this giant epiphany. Um, it, it, it's, it's almost sacrilegious within our industry, but it was an mm-hmm. important message to share. So let's get into that a little bit more. So put a little bit more color around that. So what is it that 
you do? What's the work that you do that is different? And how has, how is that effective? So just give us a little more information on that. So we, we took a look at what are the things that are truly successful? What are the, the metrics that are going to indicate whether or not you are successful? And, and we came up with a set of rules. Uh, and, and I think um, uh, there, there are definitely a plan. And, I, and just to be clear, this is all about communications. Mm-hmm. I absolutely think that if you own a large factory, you absolutely need to have a logistics plan on how to evacuate your factory. How do you evacuate a neighborhood if you have a chemical leak? Um, how do you handle certain chemicals? How do you, how do you do different things like that? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's hundred percent not trying to take, uh, anything away from the people who are, uh, boots on the ground on, on putting the fire out. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to communicating about the fire, there are certain rules, um, regarding speed, you need to be faster, uh, than you think is possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to have clear clear designated roles. And what we've, we really boiled down to make sure you have a designated spokesperson, make sure uh, rule number two or rule one B, depending on how you want to play it, make sure that spokesperson knows that they're the designated spokesperson. I can't tell you it's, it's been shocking how many times I'll sit down and I, all right, well, if, if you were to, you know, if you had a a big product recall right now and it turns out some people were getting sick, who would be the person you'd put on camera? Oh, well, that would be Susan. Okay. Well, does Susan know that that's her role? Oh no, I guess she doesn't. She's never had to do that before. Well, I I guess we need to talk to Susan, don't we? (laughs) Let's pull the rug from under her right now. Um, now rule number two, make sure Susan or Bob or whoever is doing your, has crisis media training, not just regular media training. Cause this isn't about, uh, the, the rules are very, very different in a, in a, in a high stakes situation. Um, and, uh, and, and, and the, the third rule, and it's one that a lot of organizations have a tough time with but it's such an indication of success is give that spokesperson the freedom to mm. do their job. That's <gasps> oh. hard. That's hands off leadership. Because if you're a university, if you're a hospital, you're used to 75 different layers of approval. Mm-hmm. And in a crisis, there's no excuse. There's no substitute for speed. You yes. need to be quick. Empowerment. You need to be quick. You need to be. I I I I I wasn't even planning on telling the story, but uh, one of the stories we shared in the book, um, the uh, you mentioned the um, the explosion in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been working with that client for a while because we had a relationship with them. We had messaging and spokespeople on the air eleven minutes after the first uh, spark caught. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the scene of a massive explosion in Las Vegas, because we it, we didn't know if anyone was alive, we didn't know if anyone was dead, we didn't know um, you know the status of the people who were working, but we did know some information. We knew that it wasn't a terrorism related mm-hmm. event. We knew that it was in an industrial refueling uh, capacity and not anything to do with passengers. Uh, we knew. 
that, you know, there were a lot of things that we could share. And, and so that, that becomes important. And so we talk about, these are the things that you need to do and the, the things that eh, you're going to be told you need to do and eh, you don't need to do. Well, so. yeah, I, I like that. Uh, two things that I found that I could completely relate to is when you talked about give them that freedom and that empowerment and with empowerment, you're eliminating their need to, you know, keep coming back and getting approvals. Right. And that directly uh, corresponds to the speed with which you can respond because you're giving them the authority to make decisions and do, do their job, right. The best to their best of their ability. It's, it's a scary thing, but it's so critically important. You can't, um, you can't get, you can't handcuff yourself in your most public moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the, the, the problem with a crisis, uh, I mean, I, I, it's, it's a cliche, but it's a good cliche. The Chinese word for crisis is a translation of dangerous opportunity. Now the danger is self-evident. You've got a propane explosion. You've got a product recall. You've got um, one of your vice presidents is up on me too allegations, um, someone got caught in a sex scandal. It, it doesn't matter what the danger is. Yeah. The opportunity lies in the fact that everyone is paying attention to you right now. They're all looking at you. And if you can handle this crisis with grace and with dignity, it does far more for your image, far more for your credibility, and mm-hmm. ultimately far more for your profitability than any amount of advertising, any amount of paid sponsorship, any of that stuff. This is your absolute massive opportunity if you do it well. Um, and um, and, and there, the book is full of stories about you know different CEOs and different people who've whose careers have absolutely vaulted and careers have absolutely been blown up because they don't handle it well. Hmm. Definitely um, understanding like the, the need to master this art because it's either if you if you don't master it, it could just mean like the end of your company or, you know, and if you do it well, it's like you can you can gain people's trust, as you just said, and and continue we, we to tell people we tell we tell a lot of CEOs chances are good. The company will survive. It, it may lose some profit for a quarter or three. Um, you, you know, you may, you may take a long-term hit to your credibility. The company will likely survive, but I'll tell you who won't. And that's your career because they're going to be looking to, uh, to, to pin the blame on someone and mm-hmm. you don't want it to be you one out of every five CEOs who are, um, in that job today won't be in that job a year from now. The turnover on CEOs is about 18% a year. And Mm. and the number one reason most CEOs go is something to do with uh, violations, ethics, violations, you know, uh, some sort of issues. And, Mm -hmm. and uh, I I just don't want my clients to be that guy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, that, that, that seems like a very useful, useful plan and useful information. So, I take it that you've obviously worked, uh, you have clients across six continents, which is great. So you've been sharing this message and you've been putting plans into place. So what have you learned or gained from sharing this message personally? Well, 
I mean, we have a mission, which is to uh, ensure that, uh, you know, corporate head offices are taking those dangerous opportunities and doing them better. Um, That that's, uh, that's my mission. Uh, It's not what I've gained. It's what my clients, it's Mm -hmm. what the people who I've worked with, um, because, because they're the ones who are maintaining a career. They're the ones who are, are, are seeing massive new opportunities. Um, mm-hmm. I, I could tell you, I could tell you a, a cool, you want me to, did I, did I tell you the story of Nigel? Can I tell you the story about Nigel? Yeah. yeah. So Nigel, and we talk about Nigel in the book, but um, Nigel uh, came to me via a, a different client. Um, and it turns out that Nigel owned a specialty aviation company in Africa. And I'm being intentionally vague on this, um, yeah. just because I don't want to, I don't want to throw Nigel under the bus, by the way, Nigel's, uh, this is a totally true story, but Nigel's not his real name. Okay. So, um, I got a call and, uh, their aircraft had gone down, um, and two people were dead and uh, 11 others were injured there were air ambulances coming and going and uh it, it was horrifying um they um uh i was like all right uh let's go i'll meet you in nairobi and uh got on a plane uh, by the time i landed the company was had lost every single client they had because they lost uh, Abercrombie and Kent, which is a massive luxury African tourism uh, charter company. And when A and K walks, everyone walks in African high end luxury tourism. And so they were frantic. They were concerned. We got to work um, in, in this particular case, uh, we decided we were going to ignore mainstream media and focus more on the passengers and on the, uh, on the tour operators. Uh, and we put together a series of key messages and we front loaded as much empathy as mm. we possibly could. Empathy is, mm. is the secret sauce. It really is the ingredient that will make everything better. And it's tough because for a lot of corporate, uh, you know, CEO personalities, empathy doesn't come naturally. But we we put together, we answered all the really tough questions. We admitted where we were at fault. We we admitted where we were going next, what we were going to be doing differently, how this was going to change. And, uh, and we spent a week, uh, working one-on-one sometimes with, with, you know, with, uh, different trade media, with different, uh, organizations. Um, I ran, I'll fast forward a couple years later, I bump into Nigel at a, um, at a, at a travel tourism trade show, a big one in, in Berlin. Uh, anyone who's in the tourism industry will be familiar with ITB Berlin. And I bump into him. I was like, oh, hey, how are you? And turns out in the last um, couple of years, they've been increasingly profiled. They were they were starting to be reviewed as industry leaders on some of the different changes that they had made. They had they had really gotten some some good opportunities at that. And I said, well, that's really good. How is business? Well, cut to the chase. How is business? And I was expecting to hear, oh, you know, we lost 50% the first year, but we're back up to, you know, we're only down 30% overall, mm-hmm. uh, you know, something like that. And, and he looks at me and he just shakes his head and he goes, we're up. We're up, but almost a third. 
they, wow. they had gone from just over five and a half million dollars a year to eight million dollars a year because of the way they were communicating mm-hmm. after that particular crisis. There was no crisis communications plan. Uh, they could have done things differently. They could have done things faster. They could have done things better. But but it it, it really isn't a, a proof positive that it's not that the bad thing is going to happen to you. I think what the one thing that I could tell everyone, 2020 is proof that mm-hmm. bad things happen to everyone. Right. How you respond to those bad things that determine leaders versus followers. That's, um, that's to me, the, the, the biggest takeaway that uh, uh, everyone's going to have bad things happen to them. And it, the question is, are you just going to bend over and let that happen and, and, and complain about it? Or yeah. are you going to take it as a fantastic opportunity to showcase your leadership skills? Yeah, that, that's so true. And I think most sometimes leaders are created when there are those opportunities, right? They kind of come out of the woodwork sometimes when, when there is that opportunity, that's that differentiating factor, who's going to be able to step up in that situation. Um, in that story with Nigel, though, that uh, I really liked was your approach was making it personal. Because obviously, when it's a topic like death, it's very sensitive and it is extremely personal and there is personal loss and so much emotions involved. So instead of taking that cold media, you know, like uh, broad media approach, you made it personal and, and showing that empathy, of course, it's so important when well, people are dealing with that. So I you think- know, You know who often leads that initiative? Um... Because because I've I've had this happen many times where oh hey this bad thing has happened, our legal team is saying we can't say anything. Legal is telling us to shut up. Uh, they'll they'll discuss this in the court. You know there there's some sort of a of a settlement or or something along those lines. And and I don't want to step on legal's toes. There are some really great lawyers that are out there. But I remember we had that same conversation with Nigel. Nigel was concerned because he says if I go out and we admit where we've gone wrong we're just going to get screwed in the courts. And, and I, the, the conversation I had with him was really simple. I said, like, Nigel, are you going to get sued here? He goes, oh, yeah, no, absolutely, we're going to get sued. Okay, so if you're going to get sued, do you want a, a judge and a jury that is sympathetic and thinks that you're honestly trying to do the right thing? Or do you want a judge and a jury that thinks you're a bunch of corporate evil money grubbing bastards? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> option a right yeah 100 percent uh it's it's it um and it, and it worked it did they 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 got sued um uh they they were able to settle uh it it, it wasn't acrimonious um they they genuinely you know were um uh, felt bad for a situation which was outside of their control but Ultimately, it was their responsibility to mm-hmm. ensure it hadn't happened, and and bad things happen. Bad things happen to good organizations, and like I said, twenty twenty is proof of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a that's a great story. A lot of lessons there. Is like own your mistake, own the consequences, and and try to do right going forward. You see it everywhere right now. You you see. Um, organizations across every industry across every spectrum and they're like 
we we've lost a major part of our business and we have to lay off an entire division. Okay, well, we can do it this way or we can do it this way. Uh, we, we need to fire different suppliers because we can't afford to be in this business mm-hmm. line anymore, but then our clients are going to be really upset if we do that. Um, 2020s, um, 2020 has been rough for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some really good ways of handling those difficult conversations. And there are really bad ways yeah. of handling those difficult conversations. And I think everyone is familiar with the bad ways. Yes, um, especially all those people who lost jobs. And we won't get any further into that because I'm sure there's millions of people that can say that, whether yeah. their organizations handle that with grace or, you know, with a complete lack of empathy. But yeah, yeah totally agree on that. So what word of advice would you give aspiring leaders and current leaders, Jeff? Well, and, and I think it really does boil down to give, give your head a shake. Uh, the fact that something bad is inevitably going to happen to you is a reality. Uh, I've, I've seen so many corporate executives who are like, hey, it's, it's great. I hope I never need to call you. And, and I'm like, don't, don't be silly. Of course, someday you're going to need to, to talk, if not me, someone, you're going to need a, a third party. You're going to need a perspective buddy because you can't do effective crisis communications on your own. You're too close to it. You need mm-hmm. that emotional perspective to be able to say, mm, that's not the right call right now. This is what you need to be doing. Um, but, but accept that own it. Um, I don't care. uh, I'm fond of saying, I don't care how good a pilot you are. The best fighter pilot still packs a parachute because the best fighter pilot still recognizes that sometimes bad things happen even to good pilots. And you could be the best CEO in the world. And like I said, 2020 is proof positive that sometimes things are completely not your fault. But this is that dangerous opportunity that's going to define your career. Um, don't don't try to do it on your own. Hmm. Have a partner on your side that uh, yeah. um, that can help you out in those situations. Okay, great advice. So, if people want to learn more about what you do or about you, where can they go to find you? So, uh, Checkmate Public Affairs uh, is the name of my company, checkmatepublicaffairs.com. But I'll tell you, if you want a copy of the book, uh, normally it's on Amazon right now. It's twenty bucks, um, nineteen ninety nine. Um, but I will, I will make an offer for your listeners. And if you go to checkmatepublicaffairs.com/slash/lead that thing, and I'm, I'm sure you'll put a yeah. link in the comments or, or mm-hmm. something along those lines. Um, I'll send the book for you for free. The, the only thing I'm going to ask for is a few bucks for shipping and handling, but I'll, you know, the book is free. Um, I, uh, I'd rather make sure the content gets out there to the people who can use it. Uh, it's, it's not about, uh, making a few bucks off the book. I'd rather make sure that the book gets out there. No, that's great. Um, so who would you say is the ideal audience for your book? I would say it's anyone who's in a leadership position or wants to be mm. in a leadership position in the near future. Current and aspiring um, leaders. Awesome. Absolutely. Okay. Well, this was a great conversation. I learned a lot today. 
So thank you for joining me today, Jeff. I had a lot of fun. Thanks, Arana. Lead That Thing is a production of Optum LLC, helping businesses define strategies for growth, strategize, energize, optimize. Join me next week on Lead That Thing to hear about how people are going out there to make a difference in their lives and for others. Until then, lead that thing. Thank you.